Good morning. Let's sing together. And the first song is number 529, Come We That Love the Lord. Let's stand for the song. good to be here. Thank you so much, sir, for welcoming us in here with the music to Marilyn Penner and Helen Reimer. A blessed morning to each of you here at the Winkler Burkhauer Church, as well as those that may be listening or watching later. Let us take a brief look at church life and praise concerns. We have a few people in hospital, and 
There's a note and a prayer request as Menno and Nettie Jansen lost their son, Doug, through an accidental death, and pray also for the his wife, Connie, and the rest of the family. There's going to be uh, a vacation Bible school starting uh, August 23rd to 27th for those uh, entering grades 1 to grade 6, and that'll be from 9.15 till 10.45 in the morning. And under community events, the Winkler Bible Camp Leadership Development Program, that's the LDP camp, um, tomorrow there's a program for those going into grades 10 to 12 and is how summer camp staff was going to get trained. If you know of somebody who would be interested, share this with them. Gospel Echo Thrift Store is looking for volunteers for cashiers or cashier helpers, persons to sort and price items, and there's a contact uh, with a phone and an email if you'd like. And take a note also, There's we have numerous birthdays and anniversaries uh, this coming week. Our scripture reading is from Psalms 33, verses 4 to 5, and 18 to 22. When uh, I opened that part up, I noticed that my Bible had this marked off already. This is not the first time, and I believe it is very much worth repeating. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. Then verses 18 to 22. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and to keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice when we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our trust in you. I ask that you join me in prayer. Dear God of unfailing love, we praise you for your love for us, through your grace and your faithfulness in all that you do. You know that as humans, we fail, and yet your love and grace is always there waiting for us to receive it. We pray for your blessing on each person hearing your word through the service, as Helen Reimer and Marilyn Penner will lead through worship and song, Darlene Dirksen will present the children's story, and Myron Dirksen will read your word. And Pastor Dean Huber, as he presents your message to us, the message, Remaining Faithful. We ask that you help meet the help needs of Leona Berg, Betty Reimer, Ann Thiessen, and every other person at Boundary Trails Health Center, 
as well as individuals dealing with health concerns at home. Lord, be the comforter to each person dealing with the loss of a loved one. We pray especially for your nearness and comfort to those grieving Doug Jansen's death, his wife Connie and family, his brothers and their families, and his parents, Menno and Nettie Jansen. We pray that we as a church will find the right Sunday school superintendent, pray that Gospel Echo Thrift Store will find the various volunteers needed, and that you direct the individuals who would benefit from Winkler Bible Camp's leadership development program and be also with each person working at and attending the Vacation Bible School. Lord, continue leading Preston and Myra Wheeler and their family as they serve you as missionaries. Lord, help help each one of us to be missionaries in our own sphere of influence and connections. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's continue singing number 558. My hope is built on nothing less.
And the next song is Be Strong in the Lord. disappointed not to see that many children out there. Um, it's very hard when you're... Are there some children like to come forward? All right, Hank, good for you. And Ray, thank you. I'm really hoping and praying that there's uh, children watching on TV later on this week. Thank you. 
I must say, really, it is hard. I, I'm almost ready to change plans. <laughs> I'll wait, yeah. There's a little girl coming down. <laughs> so for the rest of you, I ask that you maybe put your mind into the four- to eight-year-old age so that you can maybe enjoy the story. Okay, boys and girls, can you tell me what this is? It's a backpack, right. And we use our backpacks to carry things, right? Well, this happens to be my school bag. And for some of you, you know, school's popping up, so some of you might be going to kindergarten, preschool, grade one. What grade are you going into? Two. I teach grade two. That's awesome. So I'm going to show you some of the supplies that I use in school. And I have a little something for you later on, okay? Maybe hang, maybe, maybe hang too, I don't know. So I have a ruler. We need rulers in school. I have a box of crayons. I have another bag of crayons, but they're all the same color, and I'll talk about that later. I have pencil cranes. We need pencil cranes to color. Oh, I have a big Sharpie. Oh, my. Oh, and I have a pair of scissors. We need scissors. I have an eraser. Let's see what else do I have. I have a sharpener, a highlighter, and a glue stick. And I have a chocolate bar. Because you know what? Teachers hide these in the classroom. We need these. So that's my, my school supply. All right. Well... I use a scissor at school to cut things out. Do you cut things out at school? Yeah, you cut things out. Cut out maybe words that you're learning to use. In art, we cut things out. But you know, God, he wants us to cut some things out in our lives, too. How many of you son is mean to your brother and sister? No? No? You are? Okay. So he wants us to cut that out. Sometimes we might not listen to our moms and dads. How many of you don't listen to your moms and dads? He wants us to cut that out too. So that's one thing that, a tool that, that God gives us. He wants us to cut things out. I have this big marker. It's kind of bold. I, in, in my classroom, I use this to uh, write on a big chart paper so that all the kids in the classroom can see. So it's quite bold. And I want everyone, in the, even in the back of the classroom, to see it. So God wants us to be bold too. He wants us to stand out that everyone can see. So if he looks at you or you or you, he should be able to see, hey, he or she's a Christian because look at But by, by doing the things you, you say or do, he's watching, he can see that you're a Christian. So we need to stand out. I have a glue stick. Of course, we glue papers together. We glue um, crap, uh, popsicle sticks together. But you know what? God wants us to stick to it. And that means stick to our Bible reading every day and stick to doing our, our prayers every day. So, so when you look at a glue stick, you'll, be, you'll remember that we need to stick to doing those things so we can have a stronger relationship with, with Jesus. I have a package of crayons. Oh, my goodness, they're all the same color. What would happen if I asked you to draw a picture and color a picture with just the green? 
grass, right? Would you be able to tell the tree and the sky and the clouds? Ray, that's a very good answer. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it'd be boring, wouldn't it? What would happen if everyone in your family looked the same, dressed the same, talked the same, did the same things? Would that be boring? Everyone in church, if everyone in church looked the same, dressed the same, did the same thing in church, would that be boring? Yeah. So, we are like these pencil cranes. We're colorful, each one of us. When we work together, we can create a big, beautiful picture. And so we're all special in our family. We each have our job. In our church, we each have our job. If everyone can sing, I know everyone can't because I can't, so I can say that. Not everyone in our church can sing. Not everyone can preach, but we're each individual, each different. So when we work together, we're a colorful pack of crayons. Then I have, oh boy, they've come up, Crayola has, Crayola has come up with something new. Skin colors. There's 24 different skin colors. A few years ago, kids would just color with an orange crayon with the color of the face or maybe a brown, but now there's 24 different colors. And this is sort of a reminder, uh, Winkler is growing, there's a lot of kids in school that have different colors, and I think God wants to remind us that even though we have different colored skin, we're all the same on the inside, right? And we should love everyone because we're all the same. So that's another good reminder. A ruler. What do we use a ruler for? We can make straight lines with a ruler. We can see how long things are, how tall things are. We have 12 inches to work with here, or 30 centimeters. So I can measure things that are this, this tall or shorter. But did you know that God's measuring stick has no end when it comes to his love for us? Is, is his love for us this high, Hank? No? Ray, this high? Mr. Frey's this high? If you look up at the ceiling, is it that high, his love for us? No, it goes beyond and never ends. So his love for us is never ending. So he has no measure. And a highlighter. When I read something at school, that's when I'm reading a teacher's textbook or something, I need to highlight something that's, uh, that's important that, and that I want to remember. I'll take my marker and I'll go across those words so I can remember those words and so I don't forget them. And it's easy to go back and check. And I think at the end of the day, when you're in bed and you're praying, and sometimes we tend to focus on the bad things that happen during the day, I, th- I think I would like each one of us, even adults too, at the end of the day, Think of one positive thing that happened and thank God for that. I think often we go to, we go to God when things are bad and not going well, but I think we need to, at the end of the day, highlight one thing in our day that we can thank God for. And this is probably my favorite one, the eraser. It's okay to make mistakes. And I tell my kids that all the time. And, uh, so when we make a mistake, we can erase it. There is nothing, our mistake is gone, and then we can try again. God is our eraser. If we make a mistake or do something bad, all we have to do is go to him in prayer, ask for forgiveness, and guess what? God takes his big eraser and he erases it, and it's gone. And you know what? God doesn't remember the mistakes we make. So this is probably one of my favorite school supplies. And because I couldn't really think of anything for the, for the sharpener, um, the sharpener keeps our pencils sharp. But I think if we keep all these things I talked about in our head, I think our relationship with God will, will grow. 
and we'll become more like him. So, so my school bag has not just become a bag full of school supplies, but ways in which we can get grow closer to Jesus and the things that he and to remind us of things that he wants us to do for him. Right? I found a verse. Um, 1 Peter 2, verse 21. It says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And I hope that when you look at, when you look at your uh, eraser at home or, or a ruler somewhere, that you will remember the things I talked about this morning. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you tell us in the Bible how we should live our lives for you. We pray today that we will try each day to be more like you in what we do and say. Amen. And I have something for you. Just a little reminder. If anyone's watching on TV and they want a bag like this, feel free to contact me. There you go. You're welcome. Hank, do you want one too? Okay. Thank you for listening. This morning we'll be reading Daniel chapter 6 for a scripture reading. I'll be reading from the NIV, Daniel chapter 6. It's the story of Daniel in the lion's den. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered, in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem, Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, 
Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the degree you put into writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the, signet, uh, with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, May you, great, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves he performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Chuck Colson, convicted felon, went to prison. Of course, he was part of Watergate with Richard Nixon. Before he ever went to prison... He had made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, he didn't have to go to prison. He was a top-notch lawyer, and he could have got out of it. But he believed that because he committed the crime, he needed to go to prison and serve his time. He, told, he tells his story in his biography, and interestingly enough, when he was there, he found people in prison that were in prison because of laws that he made. And now he himself was paying the price. He was faithful to the Lord when he came out of prison. He started the organization Prison Fellowship, which not only spans North America but around the world, a minister to prisons. Chuck Colson writes about being invited to preach at 
the tough old San Quentin prison located in California, an opportunity he greatly anticipated and carefully planned for. 300 of the 2,200 inmates had agreed to come to the chapel to hear him speak. But just days before his arrival, officials officials uncovered a hidden cache of weapons, and the prison went immediately into lockdown, and everybody was confined to their cells. When Coulson arrived at the prison, he was disheartened only to find that a handful of men came out and that were, they were going to be speaking to him, and they were mostly Christians. His spirits flagged, for he, was, he hoped so much to preach to many people who did not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Struggling with a lack of enthusiasm, he thought maybe he'll just give a quick devotional, 10 minutes or so, and be on his way. But spotting a video camera in the far end of the room, he said to himself, maybe this will be recorded for the chapel, and maybe I'd better give it my all. He felt convicted at that moment because he thought of what this was going to do rather than what he should be doing. He felt convicted for basing his morale and his mood on outer circumstances rather than the inner impulse of the Spirit. And so he preached with great fervor as as though a a thousand were listening to him. Later he mentioned to the prison chaplain how disappointed he had been to miss sharing the gospel with the 300 men who had originally signed up to come and hear him speak, and of course, many of those not knowing the Lord as their Savior. The prison official said to him, Didn't you know? asked the chaplain. Because of the lockdown, the administration agreed to videotape your sermon. They'll be sharing it in all, with all the inmates tomorrow on closed-circuit television in the morning and in the afternoon. In fact, the sermon was aired not just twice, but nearly a dozen times over the following weeks. Because of the lockdown, not just 300, but 2,200 prisoners heard the gospel. Colson said that he learned three important lessons from that moment, from that time. Number one, God calls us to be faithful, not to be successful. God calls us to be faithful not successful. Number two, when our goal is to change society, we often fail. When it is simple obedience to God, he blesses our efforts more than we can envision. And number three, we should not grow weary in well-doing, for we shall reap a harvest if we faint not. We will reap a harvest if we are faithful and obedient to the Lord. God calls us to be faithful, and the Bible is lined with men and women who are faithful to the Lord. Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Esther, Gideon, David, Elijah, Peter, James, John, and even the women who gathered around Jesus, the scriptures tell us they supported Jesus' ministry and cared for his needs. 
As Daniel chapter 6 opens, we find Daniel is now in his 80s. Most commentators believe that when he entered um, Babylon at the time, he was either 16 or 17 years of age. Already in his youth, he was found to be exceptionally bright as Daniel chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. And you know, God gifts certain people in certain ways that from young on, they are incredible individuals with gifts who serve the Lord to a great capacity. A friend of mine told me that then, of course, you're aware of um, Brad Wall when he led the Saskatchewan party for a number of years a very gifted individual, a person who was an incredible leader. And a friend of mine went to school with him, was not in the same class, but she went to the same school. And one day we were talking about him, and I said, man, he is just an incredible communicator and, and leader. And she said, Dean, she says, I knew him when he was young and went to school. The way that you see him is the way that he was in school already. He was a communicator. He was a leader. He was an individual who people respected. And then when we look at the life of Daniel, he was the same way. Already from 16, 17 years on, he had gone into the king's realm where he was trained. But he was a leader and God blessed, it, blessed him. In verses 3 and 4, just going back to Daniel chapter 1 and reading 3 and 4, listen, it says the king Nebuchadnezzar ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of Israel from the royal family and nobility. And Daniel was one of those who was brought in. Young man without any physical defect. Handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning. Well informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. I want to tell you something about Daniel. He did not choose that position. He did not choose the giftings. They were given to him the same way certain gifts and abilities are given to each of us to function within the body of Christ. We don't choose them. God gives them as he discerns. And he gives them to accomplish the greater good of the proclamation of the the gospel and building up of the body. As the story of Daniel continues, we find that not only did God give Daniel giftings and wisdom to govern, but also a gift to interpret dreams as well as the ability to tell people what they dreamed. That is incredible. In the 80-some years that Daniel lived, he served in two kingdoms under four kings. He was an excellent leader and administrator, along with exceptional giftings. Still, the most essential part of his character is that he remained faithful to the Lord in everything that he did. To climb the heights and to remain faithful is incredible because so many people lose their footings as they get higher. And all of a sudden, they're depending upon themselves rather than upon the Lord to do what they are called to do. 
There is nothing more important than this quality of remaining faithful to the Lord where you're at all the time and where you also will go. I've entitled this message this morning, Daniel in the Lion's Den, Remaining Faithful to the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we pause before you, we realize that you place us all in different positions within your kingdom. And it is for service unto you. We pray, Lord, we know we cannot remain faithful by ourselves, even by our own decisions and by saying we'll do it unless we're dependent upon you because we are finite creatures and we can't do it without your strength. I pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts once more, that we could understand more from Daniel's life so that we can live a life of integrity, a life that is set before you, so that we can hear at the end of our days when we stand before you, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. We pray now, Lord, that our hearts would be open so that we could hear understand, apply, and walk with your grace. For this we pray. Amen. Remaining faithful to the Lord, number one, brings advancements. Verses one through three, brings advancements. Now that Babylon had fallen to the Medes and Persians, the new king Darius wastes no time in setting up his newly set up his new um, government and the territory that he conquered. Darius appoints 120 satraps over the different districts that composed the former Babylon. Remember, it's a new empire that has taken place, a new kingdom, and the old is gone, the new has come. Satraps is a word that means protector of the kingdom, protector of the kingdom, because the Persian's empire vast uh, was vast, the largest empire the world had known, it was divided into many smaller territories and satraps spoken of here evidently denote lesser officer officials who ruled over these smaller areas. This is what Stephen R. Miller writes about in his book. Now over these lesser officials, Darius appoints three administrators of whom one is Daniel, so that the king may not suffer loss. The loss would be if the taxes were not collected properly. The loss would be if law and order broke out, was put aside, and there was rebellion that would break out. There would be loss of prosperity, there would be loss of territory. And the king did not want to suffer loss. The king also had someone else in mind according to verse 3. It says, verse 3, Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Wow! There's no doubt that Darius is informed about Daniel and all that he did in the former kingdom under Nebuchadnezzar. Darius is well aware of his qualities, what he did within the kingdom, how he ruled, 
how he was a person of integrity, how he was also faithful to the king, faithful to his position, and faithful to God, all at the same time. In other words, Daniel's reputation of having an excellent administration skills, leadership abilities, and faithfulness had already gone to the king who had now conquered the former Babylonian kingdom. As it looks, Daniel had already met the king and became friends with king, and we learn in a short while he became very good friends also with Darius, as we will learn, and it was read about, that Myron read about, the king who was friends with Daniel then after he was thrown into the uh, lion's dead, of course, he was very disturbed with it because that's what he had not really planned to happen. Since Daniel remained faithful to the Lord and also to the lawyer uh, and loyal to the previous um, kings, this immediately brought about advancement. This now leads us to the following truth. Remaining faithful to the Lord, number two, brings out jealousy in others. It brings out jealousy. Serve the Lord. Do what is right. And others will be jealous of you. Verses four through five. Listen once again as I read these verses. At this time, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. It's likely that not all the administrators and satraps didn't like Daniel, but rather some um, got together and they saw what they could do because they hated Daniel. First, perhaps it was because he was not a native of Babylon. He was an import. Matter of fact, he came from Israel, a conquered nation. He was brought in. He wasn't one of them. Second, he was a Jew, and Jews were despised. The Jews distinguished themselves from other societies because they were monotheistic, worshiping only one true God, the God of Israel. And everyone else was polytheistic, worshiped many gods. No matter how hard they searched and schemed, they could not find any charges. They could not find any charges that they could bring against him. First, that is because Daniel was always faithful to the God in everything that he did. Second, Daniel was always loyal to the kings except when the king's law or will transgressed the will of God. And then Daniel stood for the Lord all the time. Third, Daniel was always faithful to the responsibilities of his position and occupation. They couldn't find anything on him. He did his job well. It was always done to the max. No one could say anything the way that he governed, the way that he administered, the way that he used his gifts and the talents that the Lord had given him. 
He was superb. He did it to the best to honor the Lord and at the same time serve others. Look at the last part of verse 4. It states they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. He was neither corrupt nor negligent. Daniel lived above the board in everything that he did. When others want to bring persons down, when others want to bring a person down, especially in government, they always look for the flaws in the leader's performance. They always look for the weakest part of the individuals, and they attack that all the time. And since Daniel was found faithful in all avenues of life, nothing could be said against him. Thus, those who were jealous had to go to a different route in order to get rid of Daniel. This leads us to the third truth, remaining faithful to the Lord. Number three, brings out plotting by others. Verses six through nine. Remaining faithful to the Lord brings out plotting by others. Although Daniel lived an upright life and ruled in a fair and dignified manner, Daniel's enemies hated him so much that they were willing to concoct the plan of death to get rid of him. Whatever the cost, whatever it would be, they were willing to do it and to get rid of this individual. That is what jealousy does to people. And so they began plotting. Verse 7 tells us that a group went to speak to the king. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, and advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edit and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. I want you to think that through for a moment. Wow, they were concocting a plan that had devastating consequences for one individual, and that was Daniel. Although the king held Daniel in high esteem, and how do we know that? Because the king was ready to place him over the administrators, over everyone else in the kingdom. Although the king held Daniel in such high esteem, it is interesting that he did not ask the others where Daniel is and what was Daniel's thoughts on this. One of the reasons is that these scheming evildoers were using flattery flattery on the king. In other words, they said pleasing things about the king that were not true. Imagine having everybody pray to the king, Darius, instead of to their god. In other words, the king now would be almost become like God. There could be other reason, maybe perhaps, that we don't know. Perhaps Darius looked at this as a test for his new government to see if people were really loyal to him. Maybe he thought, hey, this would be a good idea. I'll find those who are loyal and those who are not. I will know the difference. And every person in leadership position also needs faithful and trustworthy people to carry out the tasks so that each endeavor will be uh, be. A success. 
And truly, he wanted that. A gruesome and a horrifying penalty met each person who broke the law. They would be thrown to the lions. What a horrible death that would be. Indeed, this would prove to the king who was loyal and who was not to him. So Darius goes along with the plan for whatever reason it may be. But unfortunately, Darius did not think through all the ramifications that would follow his decision. Do you ever find that with yourself? Is sometimes we maybe even want the best in doing something, but we haven't thought through all the ramifications. We haven't thought through the consequences that we could have if we make this decision. And many times there are consequences, even if we have the right motives. So Darius goes along with the plan. And in verse 9, the king put the decree in writing. And once that was in writing, nothing could change. For 30 days, this was going to be taking place we learn two crucial truths about the character from the request that this group is bringing before the king. Two important truths from the request that this group is bringing before the king. Two truths about Daniel. First, Daniel did not live his faith in a vacuum where no one could see. Everyone who had dealings or interpersonal relationships with him knew that Daniel was the follower of God, the God of Israel. In other words, everyone knew. And how important it is for you and I that we don't live our faith in a vacuum. I remember reading story, a, a story, and it was a story about two individuals who worked in the same kind of sphere in the organization, and they rubbed shoulders with one another continuously, and only after 30 years of, of working together, they found out that each of them were Christians, because not one of them said anything or lived their lives according to what they believed. Is that possible? That we live our lives in a vacuum? We don't say anything, lest somebody say something against us. We don't bother telling somebody about Jesus, because every time you open up your mouth about Jesus, there's a... And yet, Daniel lived his life in such a way that everybody knew where he stood. He was a person who loved the Lord, and people knew that. This group knew that Daniel prayed three times a day. Daniel didn't hold it back from him. And that's the reason that they could plan to get rid of him because they knew he prayed to God three times a day. Daniel lived his life according to his faith. Second, Daniel's enemies also knew that he was so committed to the Lord that he would die for his faith. They just have to go and look at the background, the way he served the king in Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. And he stood against Nebuchadnezzar. But after Nebuchadnezzar listened to him, Nebuchadnezzar always had a change of heart. Because Daniel stood for what was right and what was true. So these evil co-workers had set a trap for Daniel the same way that people set a trap for mice or other animals. They learn the character of the animal, and they make the trap accordingly. 
And if you walk your, by faith and you love Christ and you share the gospel, when people want to get rid of you in some way or don't like you, they'll look at your pattern and somehow set up some type of a trap in order that you would fall into it. Is there anything wrong with that? That you live your life like that? No, we should always live our life sharing our faith, being up front, living for Jesus, walking with him so that others know who we are and that our lives are changed because of Christ. So what are some of the things that we learn from the first part of this message this morning, remaining faithful to the Lord, and what can we apply to our lives? First, when we are faithful to the Lord as Daniel was, it always brings about advancement. It may not be always in the physical realm, like ascending to a higher position or in one's occupation. However, it always make a di- difference in the relationship with the Lord between us. That's the first part. If we remain faithful and we're asking God to give us strength, if we're looking for God the same way that that Daniel was faithful to the Lord, he prayed three times a day. Hey, Daniel walked with God and his life was different and he had a relationship with God that was second to none. Also, if we walk with God the way it is, it will always allow us to be able to share our faith, to be an example of what Christ can do, and to be part of bringing others to the Lord. If we walk with God, we will have opportunities afforded to us. If we walk with God and we pray for others, there'll be opportunities where we can make a difference in people's lives, and we can reflect the love of Christ. Second, when opposition rises against us because we remain faithful to the Lord, this will allow us to depend upon God's strength even more. Because when problems and difficulties come our way, where do we go? We go to the Lord. Where did Daniel go after he hears about what is going to be taking place? He still goes and prays. Why? Because prayer was his communication with God, and prayer was the way that he remained close with God, that he grew with God, and it gave him the strength to walk the good life that he did. Daniel prayed three times a day. Thus they can be a blessing in disguise when troubles come because they will force us to spend more time with the Lord in prayer and in his word. You know, sometimes I can have a dual, I can be a dual sword. We have problems and difficulties when we just stay away from the Lord. But rather when we have problems and difficulties, we should be drawn closer to the Lord and pray all the more and surrender to him and everything that he wants to accomplish through us. This week I encourage you to read through Daniel chapter 6. And write down all the ways Daniel remained faithful to the Lord because I'm going to be speaking still for the next Sunday or two on Daniel chapter 6. 
on remaining faithful to the Lord. Write down what you find. How did Daniel remain faithful? And look at those verses 1 through 28 in chapter 6. And write them down how Daniel remained faithful to the Lord. Next week, we'll continue with part two of Daniel's in the lion's den, remaining faithful to the Lord. Our closing song is number 592, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. Let's stand. The Apostle Paul says to the Philippians, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds 
in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the examples of faith, those who were faithful to you in the scriptures, and Daniel was just one of them. We pray, Father, that we would take those truths that we had learned from him already, apply them to our lives, and it is being faithful to you each and every day of our lives, bringing our requests before you in prayer and walking by faith. I pray, Father, through this next week that you would draw us closer to yourself. Give us the strength as we depend upon you to lead and guide us through each and every day. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. May you go in the strength of his love and his will.